Hey, good morning, people. Good to see you, man. Good singing. Really good stuff. I know that we're spread out. You probably feel like you're singing a solo right where you are. Come on, you do it in the car. You do it in the shower. Might as well do it right here. Just let your voice uh, go out to Jesus Christ and uh, let her rip. So it sounds great. I just want to um, welcome you. It's great to see you. Uh, those of you who are online with us right now, um, whether by Facebook or YouTube or through our website, it's great to have you as well this morning. And whether you're in the building right now or whether you are online, I, can we just take a moment right now, about 30 seconds, um, would you grab that, if you're in the building, grab that connection card that's in the pew or in the row right in front of you. Would you do that? We would love for everyone to fill one out. We're, we're trying this here together to be able to stay a little bit better connected. If you're online, there's a connection card online, whether it's through our website, whether they're on YouTube or on Facebook, snag that connection card online. We would love for everyone to fill these out. Now, if you're in the building, after you fill that out, on your way out, put those in the, um, in the giving boxes as you go. And that'll just be a way that we all can stay in touch with each other. And obviously online, fill those out, and then just submit it. That comes to us in the office. That way we can be able to know that you're with us. And certainly if you're online, uh, leave us a comment. Get on there. Just say hello, amen. Do it a heart emoji or something like that. Let's stay connected. Put some comments in during the message or whether through the songs. And um, let's keep the chat going uh, as you watch online. So turn to Daniel chapter 6. Would you grab your Bible, your phone, your iPad, your iPod, whatever you got, and Daniel chapter 6. And while you are turning there, I'm just going to ask a 15-second request of you. Please pray. Please pray. You know, um, pray for wisdom, for grace, and for unity. Because as we figure things out for church ministry... It is not an easy task, I want you to know. You know, as you look on the news, you know, if, if the government has no idea what they're going to be doing this fall, and if schools are still trying to figure it out, and if hockey, and if the NFL, and if baseball, and if the NBA still has no idea what in the world they're going to do, I think you can imagine that for churches it's probably difficult as well. And so what we need is prayer. If you would pray for your pastors, for your elders, for all leaders as we talk through things, we really want to do things well. We want to do things purposefully. We want to do things safely. We want to be able to maintain our testimony in the community as well as we navigate through things. So please pray for us. And I know there is absolutely no way, and we know this in our polarizing day there's no way we can please everyone. And there's things that we're going to do that I know someone is just not going to be happy with. Or they'll wish it were different. And so that's where grace and unity is going to have to come in as we navigate these days ahead. So pray for us, please. Okay, you're in Daniel chapter 6. We left the narrative of Daniel two weeks ago when Belshazzar saw the handwriting on the wall. And that night, the Medes and Persians came in and they took Belshazzar out and they took over Babylon. 
And this was exactly what God showed Daniel in the dream nearly 70 years earlier as he interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. This was the changing of the head of gold to the the, uh, arms and chest of silver. This was a moving of nation and national power from Babylon to the Medes and the Persians. And now Darius, king of the Medes, was ruling over Babylon. And we pick up Daniel chapter 6. I want to read for you the first nine verses. And as we go through this, I'm sure maybe for some people, things are going to start clicking. You're going to say, okay, I remember some of this, or I've heard about this. This is the chapter that holds the account of Daniel in the lion's den. So look at the first nine verses. I'm going to read them for you. So here, Belshazzar, Babylon, were taken over. Darius is now, he's the king of the Medes, and they take over Babylon, and he is going to begin to set up power over Babylon. Here's where it begins, Daniel 6, 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over those satraps, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. He didn't want corruption in government. Imagine that, the potential of corruption in government. We better not talk anymore about that. Continuing on, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So here's where we're at. Think about this quote. A lot of crimes are not sins. And a lot of sins are not crimes. How true that is. A lot of crimes are not sins. A lot of sins are not crimes. That's exactly what is happening in Daniel 6. Daniel was not a man of corruption. He was a man of integrity. And truly, the others in government were people of corruption and pride, and they wanted Daniel out. 
And the motivation that got them wanting to bump Daniel off was the same exact motivation that fueled the king to also want to go along with this edict of him being God for a month. No one prays to anyone else, to any other God, to any other human being except Darius for an entire month. It was pride. It was self. It was all about himself. And I want you to know that we're going to learn one of the most beautiful lessons for all of life from Daniel chapter 6. And this is exactly what it is. In Daniel 6, Daniel displays this reality and we learn that we trust God. Think about it. We trust God for all of life, not just eternal life. Say it again. We trust God for all of life, not just eternal life. And here's the big verse that that tips us off at the very end of all of this when Daniel is rescued from the lion's den. The text gives it away in verse 23. It says, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. He was a man who trusted in his God. All of his hope, all of his Um, dependency and reliance was in God alone. Now, let's just talk about that for a moment. Jesus doesn't just take us to heaven. He takes us through life. Jesus doesn't just get us a fire insurance policy. He gets us through your daily situation. Now, can we understand at this moment? Are are you with me? Daniel is 84 years old. We've had the opportunity to watch him from 14 years old for 70 years. And remember, when we opened up this book... He started out as a 14-year-old, and he was trusting God because, you remember, they came to him with food that would defile his promises to God, and he trusted God, and he said, you know, I can't do that. And we've been able to watch this guy for 70 years trust God in a land of paganism that was anti-God. 70 years. Years. Now, there's a lot of talk about the specialness of starting something. How cool it is to start something, like starting up a business, starting a trip, starting an adventure. Or how romantic it is, you know, to start a family or start a relationship or, you know, how, how beautiful it is to go on a honeymoon or all of these awesome things. Starting something is, is hot, it's gorgeous, it's sexy. You know, how neat that is to start out something. We don't hear a lot about staying You know, I was away for two weeks in Florida visiting my, my dad post-surgery. And my parents have been married 57 years. 
And so I got a whole different glimpse of life when I went down there. And so, um, so day one, this is so cool. So day one, I, I, uh, I, was, I was helping him out. Dad couldn't do much. And I said, okay, what do you want for lunch? And um, they said, you know, let's do Burger King chicken nuggets. I said, okay, let's do Burger King chicken nuggets. So I went and got him Burger King chicken nuggets, and I brought it back day one. Day two, I said, what do you want for lunch? He said, let's mix it up today. Let's do Wendy's chicken nuggets. (laughs) So day three, I was out running some errands, and I drove by a Chick-fil-A. And I said, you know, I'm, and I called him up. I said, hey, I'm surprising you for lunch. And I bought him Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Okay? And I brought him home. And I said, guys, you are in for a treat. And I gave him Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. And we prayed. My dad been into one. He goes, I don't like it. I said, Dad, that's the Lord's food right there. I mean, you're going to be eating this in heaven. I'm like, what are you thinking? 57 years. I remember seeing their marriage pictures. Remember them telling me about their honeymoon to Niagara Falls? I got to see love in a different light. where you put ointment on a bed sore, where you change someone's waste bucket, where you change their clothes, where you help them bathe, where you cut up their food and you feed it to them, where you wash their soiled laundry, you with me? We, we look at starting is hot. Starting looks awesome. Staying, we oftentimes don't see the significance of it. But let me just tell you, it's beautiful. And as we look at Daniel, we saw him as a kid, and we thought, isn't that Awesome, and now here he is, an 84-year-old man. And he's staying in his relationship with God. And it's beautiful. And if I may, and I'm going to, I love seeing our older people here at East Bay Calvary who've been staying close to Jesus for years and years and years and years and years. Isn't that beautiful? And I know it may not look the same and things have changed and they may not feel that they, you know, we're on a fixed income and I can't do what I used to do and I can't do a building project or whatever may be the case, but you know what? That they're close to Jesus and, 
And when you see gray hair or no hair or walkers or bent over, you know, these are the people that had to trust God for all of life. And like Daniel, it's beautiful. What does trusting God for all of life mean? Let's get in the text here. I kind of digress for a second. Trusting God for all of life means three things. I want to give them to you. Trusting God for all of life means we, number one, we have a spiritual reservoir, not just a routine We have a spiritual reservoir, not just a routine. We need to interact with this for a moment because Daniel didn't just grit his teeth and say, I'm going to do this. Now, when I grew up, I learned a song, Dare to Be a Daniel. Dare to Stand Alone. It just kind of sounds like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, no matter what, I'm going to hold myself together, and I'm going to do this thing no matter what. Now, I'm here to tell you, that really wasn't Daniel's story. Daniel had a reservoir that he went to, and look at the next number of verses, like verses 10 on down, that give these indicators to his reservoir. We saw one tip because in verse 5, the satraps that wanted to trick him, it says, we're not going to find any problem with him unless it has something to do with the law of his God. The Pentateuch, unless it has something to do with his scriptures, that's the only way we're going to get him. And so we knew already he had a reservoir of going to the scriptures. He was dedicated to his the word of the Lord. But notice verse 10. It mentions, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Catch this, three times a day, he got down on his knees. We got any folks here in their 80s? I know what it's like for me. I'm going to be 50 soon getting down on my knees. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And here's the phrase. I don't know how it reads in your text. Just as he had done before. This was his life. Then the men showed up and guess what? They found him asking God for help, praying to God. And so Here's exactly his reservoir. He had a dedication to the scriptures. He had a regular prayer connect. He prayed with thanksgiving to his God. And then we know, even look down, say, at verse 13, it mentions, Then they said to the king, Daniel is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writing. Look at the phrase, he still prays. They knew he did it before. He's still doing it. This was his life. 
He had this well that he went to, and then notice after they nabbed him, after they were throwing him into the den of lions, notice verse 16, the king said to him, may your God whom you, catch these words, serve continually. So here's this relationship it wasn't just rote it wasn't just routine it was a well it was a reservoir he drank from his time in god's law in the word he drank from his time in prayer and thanksgiving it nurtured into his life you wonder how in the world did daniel trust through 70 years in a dry land like Babylon, well, I'm here to tell you how, is he went to a reservoir every day, multiple times a day that he drew from Jesus Christ. And it was a regular routine of relationship that enriched him. And he knew the Savior, he knew God, he then therefore trusted him. Here's how Jesus talks about the same ideal in John 15. John 15, 4. Notice these words. Jesus said to me, or Jesus said these words, remain in me. This is the context where he said, I'm the vine. Are you with me? I'm the vine. You are the branches. So then he says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I don't know how you feel today, but we're branches. And you know, our connection to the vine isn't just what does it, but it's what we get from the vine that gives life. Some people say, well, I go to church. Nice. It's what comes into the branch that gives us life, not merely that we are there. This came from my apple tree that I had to pull out of my backyard because it came down a few weeks ago um, because it was dead. And although it was there, um, it was no longer getting anything up into it. It's not that we connect into the vine, but that the vine gives us what it has to give us life and health. And so I just ask, and I think Daniel would ask, I'm not asking you to dare to be a Daniel, dare to grit it out. You can do it, I know you can. I'm just here to say, you know what? Are you drawing from the vine? Are you getting from Jesus Christ? Do you have a regular reservoir that you are nurtured from? God's word, 
and talking to him in prayer. Because if you don't, there's no way you can live in a Babylon for 70 years and make it happen for Jesus Christ. Number two. Experience peace in the den. Trusting God for all of life means we have a spiritual reservoir, not just a routine. It means we experience peace in the den. Now, I, this, is, this is what blew me away in this text. Because there's two phenomenal ironies that are drawn out. Number one, um, when we see the reservoir that Daniel had, the text continued down. And, and really, there's very little discussion from Daniel. Daniel is mostly the silent person from here forward in Daniel 6, except for very little at the end. So here it mentions, most of the discussion is from the king. And so here's two ironies about these uh, next eight verses, say from verse 13 down. So the, uh, Daniel ends up praying three times a day still, and the king heard this, verse 14, and he was greatly distressed. He loved Daniel. He needed Daniel because he knew everyone else was corrupt. And notice uh, the text mentions he made every effort. He was determined to rescue Daniel. He made every effort until sundown to save him. So he was greatly distressed, verse 14. The king was greatly distressed, I want you to see a few other things. Notice verse 18. So they had to put Daniel in the lion's den. The, the law of the Medes and Persians locked the king in. There was nothing he could do. He had to put Daniel in the lion's den. Verse 18. So the king not only was distressed. Verse 18. The king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And then notice he couldn't even sleep. And then at the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. So this is one of the ironies, and I don't know if it gets you, but it sure got me. Who's the one in trouble here? Daniel. Daniel's the one facing certain death, right? Are we, we on the same page? Daniel's the one in the lion's den. Daniel's the one who's surely going to die. So how is it that Daniel is in the pit at peace and Darius is in the palace in panic? You ever think about that? What's the difference? And it just won't make any sense until we realize Daniel trusted in God for all of this. He trusted in God for all of his life. Now, here's another irony. Let me give you this one, and then we're going to pull this one together. Remember, this whole thing started when Darius signed into law 
that no one would pray to anyone else except to him. So remember, Darius was going to be God for a month. No other gods, no other human beings. He was God for a month. And this went out to all nations, all languages, everyone. He's God for a month. Now here's the, here's the other irony. When Daniel is going to be thrown into the, law, into the um, lion's den, Darius wants to rescue him. Notice verse 14. Pop that one up there. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So here, Darius, let's just call him, he is God Darius. And he quickly found out as God, that he was incapable of delivering Daniel. Here's the funny thing. He had everyone praying to him. Pray to God, Darius. But he made for a horrible God, he made for a horrible Savior, and as much as he tried and tried, even as God for a month, he was powerless against the laws of the land to free Daniel from the fate that he had faced and while everyone was still bound by the law, while everyone is still praying to Darius for all of their requests, Darius found out that he could not come through to do anything to rescue Daniel because he knew there was nothing. He was powerless. He could not save. Darius could not save. And verse 16 says, so the king gave the order. They brought Daniel they threw him into the lion's den, and here's the, here's the ultimate irony. Darius says, you know what, I can't, I can't save you. I'm God for a month, I can't save you. You know what, may your God, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So the king, who perceived himself to be God, went back to the palace and panicked for the night, and then there's Daniel laying in a sealed pit who was at peace with a group of hungry lions. Now my, um, my dad's mom, my grandma, actually had a pic of Daniel in the lion's den in her house, and it was this one. Um, I remember it for many, many years, and... Um, so I was looking through a bunch of pics of different uh, depictions of Daniel in the lion's den. And so I saw this one online. There's another one um, that depicted um, the angel that came and protected Daniel and clothed, uh, closed the mouth of the lions. But my favorite one, my favorite one of all, I think it's the closest to the original is this third one here. And um, it's, uh, it's Daniel at peace. That's for all you kids watching online is what it is. You know, when we have a regular refill of the spiritual reservoir of relationship with God, when we abide with Jesus Christ, 
and he abides with us, we have peace. We have peace. When we don't and we think we're God and we can figure it all out on our own, we're going to panic. Are we talking the same language here? I panicked when I think it's up to me to figure it all out. But when I'm connected to Jesus Christ, when I'm abiding in him, when I know I can trust him, I'm at peace. Here's how the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's how the psalmist says it in Psalm 23. Do you know the verse? I memorized it in the King James. Would you say it with me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. You know, that's what it is. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the words. I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. I'm abiding. I've got one last one here. Trusting in... God, for all of life, means we have a spiritual reservoir. We've got to have that. We don't just pull it together and trust. We have to know him and love him. And we trust him. And then we enjoy peace wherever we are. If we think we've got to solve all of our own problems and be God, we're in deep trouble. And then the beauty of it all, number three, is we get to enjoy God as our great deliverer. We get to enjoy God as our great deliverer. And these are the last verses in Daniel 6. The king hoisted Daniel up. He said, was it God whom you serve continually able to deliver you? And Daniel said, he certainly was. He had an angel come and clothe the mouths of the lions and he did it. The text says, nothing came upon Daniel. No wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. And everyone that went against Daniel, the king said, okay, those lions look pretty hungry. <laughs> and he took them and in they went. 
And then here's the beauty, the king that thought he was God for a month, who sent an edict out to every nation, every language, saying, do you need to pray to me? He said, I need to print a retraction. I made a big mistake, folks. Send this out to every nation, to every language. I issue a decree, verse 26, in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. I'm no longer God. He's the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Here's verse 27. Embrace it. He rescues. He saves. Amen? He's the one that does it. I'm not a rescuer. I couldn't rescue Daniel. The God of heaven is the one that rescues. He's the one that delivers. He's God. That's my retraction. Take me out of that slot. He's the one you need to worship. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. And it's pretty easy. Where the text is pulling us all. I, I don't know if you're tracking with every bit of this. But there's two things that Daniel 6 clearly points us to that we've got to think about. And the first one, folks. I'm not just going to say trust God. I'm going to say abide, abide with Jesus Christ. We're a branch. We won't have life on our own unless we are connected to and draw from Jesus, who he is. And what he has. We need to go to the reservoir. We need to go to God's word. We need to have prayer. We need to be with his people. We need to worship. We won't trust him if we don't know him and love him. And we must have a regular intake. Anyone can start, but I'm talking about staying for the long haul. We just can't gut it out on our own. We need to abide with Jesus Christ. 
And I don't know how you feel today. Maybe you feel like this branch and you feel dry, disconnected. I'm like, I can't keep going on my own. Let me agree with you. You're right. You can't. You need to abide with Jesus. And it starts with the reservoir. And what I would say is get connected to others who are drinking from the same reservoir and drink together and talk together and worship together and enjoy him together. Abide with Jesus Christ. Here's the second one. Trust in Jesus Christ. And there's two ways. Trust in him for eternal life. I'm telling you, not only can no one else rescue us, we can't rescue us. Trust in him for eternal life. Jesus provided our only rescue by bearing sin penalty on himself when he died on the cross for us. God judged him with our sin when he died on the cross. Trust in him for eternal life. Go to him and, and confess, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I've blown it. Jesus, I know that you died for me. I believe it. I start there. Forgive me. Make me your child. I trust you to forgive me. Give me salvation, eternal life. I turn from what I was to who you want me to be. Start there. And then trust him for your everyday life too. Don't think we can walk this path alone. Every day we need him. Trust his work. Obey his word. Yield your will to him. Trust him for every day. But Daniel 6. That's the word from an 84-year-old guy who trusted him through the desert place of Babylon and saw God come through every time. Would you stand with me? Would you open your heart to God? Whatever your need is right now, close your eyes and open your heart to him. Is it a need to abide? Do you feel dry? Have you walked away from the reservoir? Do you need to be in a group, in a small group, or with friends or with others that drink as well? Would you get connected? Have you made a decision you need to trust in Jesus for eternal life or for everyday life? Would you connect with us this week? Would you tell your small group that? But let's not let today go without making the most of it. And Father, 
thank you that you are the God that saves. Forgive us to looking to all these other gods or thinking that we can get ourselves out of all of our jams. You're the only one who comes through the ultimate rescuer, the deliverer, Savior of our souls, the forgiver of our sins, and the one who takes us through every minute of our lives. We could not do this without you. We yield to you. We embrace you. We love you. God, help us to know you and trust you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of East Bay Calvary together said, Amen. It's been good to be together, huh? So um, as we go, God bless your day. You know, we do need to mask up in our departure. Don't forget your connection cards to the giving boxes in the foyer. Spend as much time as you'd like, especially even if you go outside, hang out, enjoy some of the sunshine together. Good to see you. God bless.